Okay, Bokatov, today is the 22nd day of Yomer, and we are the official daf is Samachay 65, we're behind. We pick up on the very top of Samachdal and Amitbet. We uh, have actually a few lines to get to the Mishnah, we'll try to do that quickly, so as not to get too caught up in yesterday's sugya. But it was an important discussion yesterday, the Mishnah said that if a man said to his wife, that he has no brothers um, when, on his deathbed. He says he has no brothers or that he had sons that would get her out of Yibum, then he's believed. But if he says that the opposite, he has brothers, he, he doesn't have sons, he's not believed. So it seems to be that the rule was, didn't explain why, but the rule was we believe him to free her from Yibum, not to bind her in Yibum. Um, then Mario said that, well, that's the position of Rebbe, quoted to Brighton, that Rebbe exactly said that, Neman Lahati of Eno Neman Lesser, but it quoted the position of Rebbe Nelson that said he's believed both ways. And and the scenario there was was that uh, when he was marrying her, he said the right thing, the thing that would he got her out of Yibum. I don't have brothers, I do have sons. And on his deathbed, he retracted it. And Rabbi Nelson said, well, then he's believed to make her forbidden. He is believed on what he said on his deathbed. So it seems that our Mishnah and Rabbi Nelson disagree, but the Gemara is saying maybe there's a way they do agree. And in this attempt to say that they do agree, um, it is clarifying why to believe him or not to believe him. So let's just pick up with that. It was... Um, uh, um, uh, let's, I mean, it's the last line on Samachtal Ramad Aleph. Okay, it goes like this. El Amar Bayor, three lines from the bottom. Masnithin, our Mishnah, where he is not believed when he says on his deathbed that he has brothers or no sons. We assume he has no brothers and no sons. So, therefore, we assume no brothers. She's not obligated in Yibum. So, therefore, we, since we know, assume neither, if he says something that reinforces her status and he says I have children so then he's believed because he's continuing to make her mutter which is our presumption of her but if he says that he's brothers he's not believed he's not believed to make her forbidden so the basic point of the Mishnah therefore is not so much that he's believed to make her mutter not usher but he's not believed to go against the standard quo the standard you know the chazaka or presumption if what he's saying is consistent with the presumption that she's mutter then he is believed now how about the Brita that says he's believed even to make her forbidden According to Rebbe Nassan on his deathbed, Brayta the Muchzaklan Baache Velo Muchzaklan Bevane, so that we know that he has brothers, and we don't know, and and um, and we don't know that he has sons. Meaning, so we start presuming that she's obligated in Yibum. Okay, now that's what happened before he was about to marry her. Alright, remember. And then he said, if the brighter was, he said, one thing at the time of the Kiddushin to, make, to say that he's mutter and the opposite at the deathbed. So before he was basically interested in marrying her, we were presuming that he had brothers. And then he said to her, I don't have brothers. And we were prepared to believe him. Now, why were we prepared to believe him at the time of marriage when he said, I don't have brothers, which goes against our presumption. Okay? Because we say, look, if he's telling you he doesn't have brothers, and now we say, you know, maybe he's lying. He's trying to get her to agree to marry him. No, he wouldn't lie. Why wouldn't he lie? Because, my kamarla, Mr. Ibi Miyabam, you'll say he's lying in order to get her out of Yibam? He could have just said that I'll get you out, uh, I'll give you a get. So the fact that we presume that this is, so now we're starting to believe, why do we believe him? So our Mishnah, according to the way we're setting it up, says really very little. Our Mishnah says, we believe him to reinforce the status quo, not go against the status quo, not say that she's usher. Okay? So, whereas in our case, 
we're actually taking in the brighta we're making a bigger chiddush. Okay, and in the case of the brighta is how does this fit? These things go dry up. No, 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 not that we knew. We presumed because if we knew, if we knew, we assumed. Uh, what? Yeah, people were talking about it. Oh, you don't, you know, he's got a brother somewhere, but like nobody's giving any direct testimony. Okay, so this is the kiddushin, and this is the deathbed. Okay, these are the two types. So here we basically, okay, we presumed he's got a brother. Okay, and he says no brother. Okay? Now, the logic thing to think is to think that he's saying it's up to get her to agree to marry him. Okay? And the first Kiddush is that we actually do believe her to change the Chazaka and to now presume that she would not be obligated in Yibam. Why? Because it's Mali Lushaker. Now, why, he, ah, oh, come on. He's not lying. He was just trying to pr- promise her that there wouldn't be Yibam. He could always tell her, you know what, we'll arrange the whole thing. I'll give you a get that will take effect the minute before I die, etc., etc. Okay? So because we're saying, oh, there's not a good enough reason to lie, it's actually quite a big Kiddush, even when there's a presumption that she's obligated in Ibum, he's believed to go against that. That's stage number one, why the Bright assumes that we believe him. Now, how come here when he says, I have a brother, okay, I have a brother, okay, that's what he says on his deathbed, here, I'll have him on his deathbed, okay, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so Rebbe says, not, you know, not believed, and Rabbi Nelson says, Rabbi Nelson says he is believed. Now, what's the issue here? Okay? So now you understand why Rabbi Nelson is more likely to say he's believed. Because we started with a presumption. Maybe his statement was enough to neutralize it, and that was the biggest hit, and now we can assume that she's permitted. But now he's going back to the original presumption. So if this was like a close tie here, this is tipping our scales back to our original presumption. Okay? And Rabbi says, nope. There was just so much that we totally, so totally prepared to believe him that we completely shifted our presumption here, and she's now completely assumed to be not obligated in Yibum, and now, now, and now he's not believed to to change her a, sta- a status quo to make a woman who we are assuming to be permitted to make her forbidden on his say so. So let's read that. I know. So you, so right, you could do the Mali Lushakir again. So let, let's read it again. Rabbi Sover Mali Lushakir Kiedim Dami. The first Mali Lushakir was like witness. Is. So that first time he said the time of marriage totally uprooted the chazaka and made us totally presume that she was um, that she was not obligated in yibum. Now, uh, of course, the second question obviously is, but there's now there's a second mali lishak here. But um, but uh, you know, but that's not. But it's not the same mali lishak here. Here, mali lishak was. Why would he lie? He would have another way to do it to promise that he could give her a gift. Here, you know, who knows? Maybe he's lying. Maybe he wants to just. Uh, they were fighting and he, his last act he wants to do on this earth is to make her miserable. And there's no, there's no Mali Lushakir because he couldn't achieve it in another way. Here, he could have achieved it by promising to give her a get that would take effect a minute before. So there's not exactly a Mali Lushakir here. You understand why? Okay? So, you know, you could say, come on, by the context, he's probably just trying to come clean. But nevertheless, that's what Rebbe says. So this trumped, I can't use the word trump anymore. Anyway, <laughs> and then, and 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 then 
So now, now he cannot, once she's presumed mutter, he can't make her asr. That's what Rebbe says. Rebbe Nazan Savit, no, Mali Lushaka Ki Chazaka Daman. No, 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 it was only enough to neutralize the pre existing Chazaka. And a little bit we were tipping in, this, in that side. But Loati Chazaka, Vakri Chazaka Lagami, it did not completely erase the original Chazaka. And now when he goes back to, to reinforcing the original Chazaka, we believe him. So, a little, a little complicated. I want to get on to the next topic. But the basic point of this is, is that the Gemara says that. That the, helps us understand, thank you, why we should believe him. Number one, if what he's saying is reinforcing her status of being mutter, of course we believe him. Number two, if she has the status of mutter, and he's just saying she's usher, the Gemara is saying even Rebbe Nelson would say, you know, you, on your say-so, you do not have the power to make your wife, who's presumed to not be obligated in Yibram, just because of some claim you're making, for us now to bind her, to make her forbidden. Okay, you're, so you're not believed for, if she has a chazak of being mutter, you're not, you're not believed to make her usher. And even, that's the presumption of our Mishnah, but the Gemara, if you want to think big picture what the Gemara is doing, is the Gemara is neutralizing the position of Rebbe Nassan. It sounded like Rebbe Nassan says the man is believed to say that his wife is obligated in Yibam. And the Gemara is saying, no, that's not true. If she has a chazaka, a presumption of being mutter, he is not believed even according to Rebbe Nassan. The only time Rebbe Nassan believes her is when what he is saying is reinforcing a pre-existing chazaka that we had. Okay, that was somewhat neutral in the middle. All right, and that would be the case of the debate. No, but the point is that he could always promise to her, give her a get that would take effect a minute before. I know, that's not exactly the same as not having the problem to you in it. I understand. It's not so clean. All right, let's go on to the next mission. Really amigo, right? or is that yeah, and Mali, there's a general discussion in the Rishonim that Migo and Mali Shakir are often used interchangeably. There's an attempt sometimes to distinguish between them, but they're pretty, they're pretty similar. Okay, okay, so, yeah. Can this uh, misinformation, if it is misinformation, uh, annul the marriage? that she wouldn't marry Oh, yeah, that's an interesting point. If he's lying and deceiving her, um, then um, would we basically say that actually is an interesting possibility. If, if that's a possibility, that it would become a mechatos in, in some circumstances. Okay. Now, so that was dealing with who do you believe, right? If he says, here's, you know, if, if a father says that I've married off my daughter, if, uh, if a guy is talking about whether he has brothers or, or, or children, now we have a question before we get to believing whether something happened or not similar to the issue before the guy said I married my daughter and I don't know to who and a guy showed up etc remember that case where he didn't know who the man he married his daughter to here there's a question he, he forgot which of his many daughters he married off Okay, so let's take a look. Hamikadosh is pito stam. A man marries his daughter, and he doesn't say which daughter he's marrying, and he has more than one. In a bogros bichlau, it doesn't include the, the the daughters that are more than twelve and a half years old that are mature, because uh, you know, which is pretty obvious. He doesn't have a right to marry them off. So that seems very obvious, and the Gemara is going to ask, what's that even teaching us? Now, here becomes the thing we're going to focus on a little bit more. A man had two wives, okay, sequentially, not at the same time, okay, so wife number one, and he had two daughters, or actually he says two sets of daughters, from the two groups of daughters, from each wife, okay, so the older daughters and the younger daughters, okay, so there are two groups, and Amar, he says, I married my oldest daughter. My older daughter, okay? Um, normally I think we'd probably parse that as oldest, but let's take a look. 
ואין יודע אם גדולה שבגדולוס או גדולה שבקטנוס או קטנה שבגדולוס כי גדולה מן הגדולה שבקטנוס אוקיי, סתם, אני לא יודע איך אוקיי, so here are the daughters, אוקיי? these are his two oldest daughters and these are the two like youngest daughters, okay? This is his new wife, this is wife number one, and this is wife number two. They're, they're sequential, they're not wives at the same time. So these are the oldest. So this is the older, this is the, or the older, this is the older group, and this is the younger group, okay? So he says, I don't know which one I meant. Did I mean the oldest of the oldest? Or did I mean the, 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 young, the youngest of the oldest? I called her oldest because she was from the oldest group of daughters. So I couldn't even meant the youngest. Or maybe I meant the oldest in the youngest group. Okay? Any one of those could have gone by the word oldest because either of these are from the oldest group and this one, it makes us a tiny little baby. Anyway, and this one is the oldest of the younger group. So, uh, so any day, and I don't know, okay, in Gdolos Abigdolos, the oldest of the oldest group, the Gdolos Abigdolos, or the older of the youngest group, okay, Oktanos Abigdolos, or even the youngest one of the oldest group, Shigdolos in Gdolos Abigdolos, who's still older than the oldest one of the youngest group. Kulan Asura, so they're all, they all might be the daughter married off, and they're all forbidden. Chutz min Oktanos Abigdolos, except for the youngest of the youngest group, because there's no way that could be called oldest. Divi Rebbe Meir, that's what Rebbe Meir except the oldest of the oldest because Yossi says you would never have used a phrase or you would never have remembered it in a way that would have uh, led to such ambiguity so if the thing that you remembered was oldest you must mean the only the most narrow you know the most specifically the thing defined by oldest which is the oldest of the oldest okay so same in the reverse okay I married my youngest daughter and I don't know if it is the youngest of the youngest group or the youngest of the oldest group or the oldest of the youngest group that is still younger than the youngest one of the um, uh, of the of the older group so any one of them could mean youngest either of these could be youngest because they're in the youngest group and this could be youngest because of the older group she's the youngest except for the oldest of the oldest group. They're all permissible. Except the youngest. If all you said or all you can remember is youngest, then you mean what that means in the most unambiguous way, which is youngest of the youngest. Okay. Now the Gemara says like this. So the first thing we're going to look at is the first line of the Mishnah. He marries off his daughter, who's a one of his daughters. Okay, and he doesn't know which one. It's not. It's, it's not meaning. He, he, so the difference of the first line of the Mishnah and the second is that the second cases of the Mishnah is he he knew which one at the time, but he forgot what he what he meant. Okay, or if he got what he said. That's the second case about oldest and youngest and all of that. The first case is he didn't even specify at the time. I'm marrying my daughter to you. Great, and you give me a ring. End of story. Oh well, we don't include the. It's clearly not the oldest daughter because I don't or it's clearly not the Bulgarian because I don't have the right to marry her off but in that case it was never specified which daughter and this gets to the Gemara's question about Kiddushin Sheinim Misurim Libya so when you gave me a ring for one of my daughters and we didn't say which one so okay fine it doesn't include the ones that I don't have a right to marry off the ones that are already adults okay but it, but I, it might be any one of the younger ones but how could that be we don't know which one and therefore it's a Kiddushin Sheinim Misurim Libya it's a Kiddushin which will never be able to culminate and actually having sex because you might it might always be having sex with the, 
with the, the sister of the woman you're actually married to. Okay? So the mother says, Does that mean that the, the, the underage daughters are all potentially married to this guy when you don't know who, which, when you just said it without specifying? Shmas mina, or it sounds like that. Shmas mina, can we infer from this? That a kiddushin that can never culminate in sex is still kiddushin. Okay? Because that's what it would sound like. Because uh, it sounds like you're a suffolk married to any one of the, of the underage daughters. No. What are you talking about? No, you don't have multiple daughters. You know, a lot of underage daughters. You have, uh, you have, a, you have an adult daughter and an underage daughter. So the Gemara says, It says, the, old, the adult daughters are not included. It sounds like you have multiple daughters. So the Gemara says, No, my bogros, bogros to Alma. It means, it doesn't mean you have adult daughters. It means when a person says, I'm marrying you, my daughter, he's not referring to adult daughters. It doesn't mean, the use of the floor doesn't mean this man has multiple daughters. It means in cases where people talk about this, they're not referring to the, to the adult daughters, they're only referring to the underage daughters. Okay. You could be referring to those adult daughters in any case. Well, that's, the Gemara's going to get to that. What's the Chiddush at all? But the first point we're saying is, is that, he's, is that when we say he's married to the younger daughter, it's only one daughter. If it was daughters, he wouldn't be married because it would not be a Kiddush and Shane Mr. and We'll get to what the Chiddush is in a minute. Okay? But first we're just dealing with the fact that we have to say the Mishnah is talking about there's only one underage daughter, not multiple ones, and therefore the use of the plural is, does not, it means we're talking about like in cases where, and we're not talking about in the specific case that a man has multiple underage daughters. So the Gemara says, um, Pita, Bogus via Vitatayu. So now the Gemara says that. If the point was to say he's married to one of the underage daughters and the Chiddush would have been that Kiddush Shane and Mesur and Libya still takes effect. But if the case is there's only one underage daughter and only one adult daughter, so there's no Chiddush. Of course it's not the adult daughter. He doesn't have the right to marry the adult daughter. No, no here's the Chiddush. To Shavise Shaliach, that the adult daughter made him a Shaliach to, to find her uh, a husband. So in that case, he's empowered to marry both his adult daughter and the father. Exactly. And now the father's empowered to marry both his adult daughter and his underage daughter. And that's the Chiddush. When he marries off a daughter and he doesn't say which one, presumably he's referring to the adult daughter. Right? I would think so. I mean, for, uh, for us, that would make more sense. We would consider the adult daughter more of a marriageable age. No, Kamash Milan, He's not going to abandon something that he can make some profit off of. Something he doesn't make profit. Why? Because when he marries off his underage daughter, he keeps the ring. When he marries off his adult daughter, he has to give her <laughs> So, obviously, he was marrying off his younger daughter because he wants to keep the money for the Kiddushin. So the Gemara says, one minute, really? Um, if we're talking about a scenario where the adult daughter made her his, her shaliach, him, him, her shaliach, presumably it would even be if she said, and you know what, you can even keep the Kesef Kiddushin for your efforts. Okay? And so would you say, and, and that, nevertheless, presumably it would include that case. So would that case also, why should she be married, why should we assume he's marrying only the younger one? Nevertheless, 
even though there's no benefit, uh, monetary benefit of marrying off the younger one, before, the older one before the younger one. Uh, I mean, the younger one before the older one. Nevertheless, the younger one is more his responsibility. Why is it more his responsibility? Because while the child is still underage, it's the father's responsibility to make sure they're taken care of. And for his daughter, it means that there's responsibility to make sure he's got them a husband. Okay, so the father. So it's so it's it's an interesting, completely obviously different reality than we live in, where he's more responsible and he would feel more of a priority to marry off his daughter under the age of 12 than his 13-year-old or 16-year-old daughter or whatever. Okay, but that's the reality. That's why he was empowered, it is empowered to marry her. It's a society in which he has to make sure she has a husband and protected, and he does that while she's under his control. And you know, the way the Torah envisions it, of course, is that a girl is either Bevesaviha or Bevesvala. Like, like the whole idea, I should make, take a second to point that out, I said it before, which is that there, a girl can have independence and not have her father controlling her or her husband controlling her. In the Torah, you only have that basically after her husband dies, okay, or divorces her. And that you never have it while that she's like, an, you know, a young adult and she's free, or even an adult, and, you know, and free from, because the Torah assumes she goes straight from her father's house into her husband's house, right? It's only that the rabbis say, wait, 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 there's a, that would be only if she's underage, you know, but once she's at the age of a bogeret, right, then she actually can be in, she can have left one without going into the other. But that never is a scenario in the Torah. So therefore, the Gemara is saying is, you know, the father's responsibility is that she go from the father's house to the husband's house, so his primary responsibility is to marry off his underage daughters, not his adult daughters. Yes, Charlie. I'm reminded of uh, Lovin. Yeah. Uh, we only marry the older daughter. Yeah, well, that's for the second part of the mission in particular. But yeah, here we're talking about adult versus underage. We're about to get to older versus younger. Okay, so that's the first part of the Mishnah, that if he, if he had multiple daughters and he did not specify, um, then um, and they were all underage, then maybe they're not married at all, because it's a marriage that cannot culminate in sex. But if it's an adult and, a, and, and, and an underage, even if he's empowered to marry both, we assume he's only marrying the younger one. Okay, now the Gemara continues. Now we get to the bigger, more, you know, fun part about two sets of daughters. And by the way, in this case of all these two sets, they all have to be all under the age of, uh, all Tana or Nara, or else he couldn't be marrying them, okay? So this one is, you know, this one here is 11, and this one is 10, and this one is 3, and this one is 1, right? But they're all under the age of Bat Mitzvah, well, or under Nara, you know, they're still a Nara, okay? All right, so the Gemara says like this. So first we have the case about when he said old, young, about what does he mean by uh, oldest, and then we had what does he mean when he says youngest. Or um, you need to do both scenarios, even though they're pretty much the same. The just had the case about um, oldest and that it could mean anyone except the very youngest. That's anyone of these he could call the older because if, as long as there's somebody younger. Okay? That we understand. But when you say younger or youngest, you would only say the very youngest. You wouldn't call this one the youngest. Now why would it be different? Why would you call this, why would you call a middle one older because there's somebody younger than them, but you wouldn't call a middle one younger because there's somebody because there's somebody older than them. So Rashi basically says, you know, younger is like it's it's not as nice of a category to be in the youngest category. Who likes to be the youngest child, right? Everybody else to be older, you know, presumably. Always be the princess. I, I suppose. Anyway, so therefore, it, it, the way Rashi explains it is, you're more likely to use the word older a little more liberally, right, to include somebody who's not the oldest but at least relatively older. But you could say you're 
are less likely to use the word younger or youngest unless it means the very youngest. And nevertheless, we say no, even when he's saying youngest, any one of these can be considered to be the youngest except for this one. I think, the, I think really the, the kid wouldn't want to be considered youngest. Ah, right. You know, well, also if you're marrying her off, maybe if you're, she's so young, she's not so usable as a wife, you know, so, until uh, she gets a little older. Anyway, okay. Now, if you had just said the case of youngest, and you told me the Chiddush, that even by youngest, Rabbi Meir says it could mean anybody except the oldest, fine, that's what Rabbi Yossi says, no, 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 youngest means only the very youngest. But when you say, you know, oldest or older, maybe they would agree to Rabbi Meir, that older could mean anybody, cause, except the very youngest, because older is a more positive description, and you'd more rather call even a middle child older. So you have to tell me they debate both cases, okay? By the way, this partly this plays off with, I think, an ambiguity in Hebrew, right? Because how would you say, there's no one word that you could say older as opposed to oldest, right? You could say hachigdola, right? right? But gdola, does that mean the, old, the older or the oldest daughter? That's the, part of the ambiguity here, right? Okay. All right. That's true. Okay, right. That's true. Right. Well, you don't know. Maybe there's also uh, maybe there's also boys that are older. <laughs> okay. So okay. The mother says Lemeima. Now, now, now we're going to get to the core of the debate. Lemeima. The Rebbe Meir says So this says that Rebbe Meir says a person is willing to get themselves into this ambiguous space, bring themselves into a doubt, meaning that they could use a phrase. Again, it's a little not clear to me is whether the phrase older or oldest is what he said at the time of the kiddushin, or whether it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like at the time it was clear who he meant and now he forgot but what he remembers is he forgot specifically who he was talking about but he remembers it was the oldest so it sounds like you know you don't remember something we assume what you're going to remember in this way that's more specific that doesn't leave you in this gray in this you know uncertain and this gray zone okay so that sounds like Rebbe Mayer says to the person no you know people might remember big oldest in a way like like if, if you're afraid you're going to forget you'll say wait I got to remember I want to go back to tell my wife who I married off <laughs> it was Ray Right, that's why I married off. That's what you'll tell yourself because you want to remember who it is. You're not going to say, "I'll tell her it was the oldest one," unless you can remember what oldest means. Unless oldest is very clear and well defined. So Rabbi Meir says, "No, people are sloppy, and they'll remember oldest." Little mar- matters like marriage, exactly, and they'll remember oldest or youngest, even if it's not specific, and it could mean a couple of people. I okay. All these scenarios are when a guy comes from drunk. <laughs> 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 okay, could be. No, people do not get themselves into doubt, and if he's remembering this, it only can mean, it'll only mean the most specific thing. One minute, we teach in a bright to the exact verse. If somebody says this, these fruit are forbidden to me until Pesach, so until means until once until Pesach arrives. Once Pesach arrives, it's permissible. Until Pesach occurs, okay. Then it means until it occurs means until we're done with Pesach. So it's forbidden until Pesach is over. No, that's always the question, parsing words, and it's Ram Shabbalay, but by Nadam we go more by Ram Shabbalay. But anyway, this is the default. We can worry another time if he says he meant something else. Ad Pnea Pesach. Now let's say he says until the face of Pesach. What does that mean? Rabbi Meir Omer, Aser Ad until Pesach arrives. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Ad until it leaves. And what we assume they're debating is, is that the very, it's sort of like oldest and youngest. The first 
face, the first face that Pesach presents to me is the first day. But then there's another face of Pesach, the second day. And then there's another face. Right? Every next day is presenting, as it were, its face to me. I would say Well, okay, right. But that's, but, uh, well, that's, you mean the, okay, but the face here means the actual Pesach itself. If you think about the days of Pesach presenting themselves to you. Anyway, so we see this as a similar debate, and their positions are reversed. Okay? Rabbi Meir says, um, that it means the most specific thing, the first face of Pesach, and Rabbi Yossi says it could mean any of them, and you're forbidden the entire time. So it seems like it's the exact reverse position. You're right, the names got reversed, okay, and they really, well, you know, now, and you have to flip it, okay? Right, you know which door, I don't know which. Uh, I know, it's true, I, I realize that, yeah. So we turn to Bryce so that it actually flips the names of the Pesach debate to be consistent with our Mishnah. And here's what the Baita says. Wait, 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 like the, the that day is presenting itself to you, right? So, so, so therefore, the same way the word gedola can mean any daughter who can be labeled with gedola, any day could be labeled as if a face of Pesach, one of the faces of Pesach. Uh, it's like I, a day, I, I, like if you said a day of Pesach, if you said a day of Pesach, you mean the first day, or do you mean any day? Okay. Um, so, so okay. So the Gemara says, and the Brayta reverses the positions to be consistent with our Mishnah. That Tanya here, Hatanya is used as a as a statement not as a challenge anything that has a fixed amount of time and you say until the face of it Rabbi Meir Omer until it's gone until it's finished Rabbi Meir says that's doubtful what that means it could mean a whole wide range of things so it's I mean it could mean any day so it's until the period is done Rabbi Omer nope once it arrives that's the first face that's what you mean so Rabbi Yossi says you don't sort of enter into a space of doubt Rabbi Meir says you do yes Charlie um by the opinion that it would apply through all of Pesach, this would be a netter that would cause you to not fulfill a positive rabbinic rule. You could what? About, about Simchas Yadav? Well, how do you know what you're talking about? You didn't say wine. You said... No, you something. Fruit. You said, you said fruit, right? It doesn't say... Oh, it doesn't say what you're asking. Oh, if you're asking wine, no. Okay. We'll worry about that some other time. Okay. okay anyway, a netter can undermine even Mitzvah Still Raisa. Okay. Um, the Mitzvah says like this. Amar Baye. Machlokas, now we're going to get back to the debate in the Mishnah and actually have, have a nice clarification. It's true, only specifically the case of the Mishnah where there's two groups and this could be, the whole, anybody in this group could be called oldest because it's the oldest group. Anybody in this group could be called youngest because it's the youngest group. And that's what makes it possible that it could be anybody except, you know, except the extremes. It says, Avau, Bikat Achat, if it's like one group, he's got ten, ten kids or four kids or whatever it is. Tiva Ktog Dola Mamash and Ktana Mamash. So let's say a guy just has four kids, okay? Four daughters, okay? He's got these four daughters in this age order, right? Okay? And he says Gdola. So there's no way that anybody here is called Gdola. Right? Yes, she's older relative to a younger one, but the words gedolah 
it would not be relevant here. Here you would only describe the middle ones as middle daughters. So if you wanted to talk about a middle daughter, you'd use their name. Gedola means the oldest, and Ketana means the youngest. Here, Gedola can mean oldest because she's Gedola within the, within the universe of this group. She's the oldest. And Gedola here, and this, even she could be Gedola because this is a group that is Gedola from the other group. Everyone okay? in the oldest group. Yes. Everyone is older than everybody else yes. in the other group. Yes, correct. So Gedola means oldest, Abaya is saying, not older. So if there's all one group, only one is the oldest. But if there's two groups, she's the oldest within this group. And anyone here is oldest in the sense of from the oldest group. Okay? Right. Then it's Kiddush and Shem Mitzvah and Labio. The word Gedola could be describing the word Kat. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The Bat gets Gedola. Or the Bat from the Kat HaGedola. Right. Exactly. Okay. Thankfully, the Gemara doesn't ask that. Okay? But presumably, it would be not obviously not referred to because it doesn't... The label Katana or Gadola doesn't refer to it. Uh, right. I guess so. That would be true. <laughs> that would be true. Okay. I'm only about Barmasma Labai. So, Rabbi Barmasma says, El Me'at, if that's true. So he says, I've been making it easy in describing that there are only two in each group. But he says, let's say there are three in each group. Okay? Now, in that case, okay, when you say oldest, we thought it meant even this. We thought not like a body. It meant anybody that was older than anybody else. Okay? And then it would o- and then the only one excluded would be number one. But according to Abaye, that no, 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 it means oldest and you have to be able to attach the label oldest. If there were three in this group, this one would be okay. It would only apply to the oldest of that group. And Abaye's answer is going to be, you're right. Okay? But let's take a look. But the Mishnah says the only one permissible is the youngest one. So his question is, well, I don't understand. Why is it number two permissible? Because within this group, oldest can only refer to number three. Well, the Mishnah didn't say that. I've been saying that. The Mishnah said there are there are two katkitot, and it does that. All right. All right. So let's take a look. So the Mishnah says, "Elamiyata in sorry shabakatniyat history." Harav Mayaskinan top of samichay, which ain't shamel gedola b'ktana. There's only two in the youngest group. Okay. Zachin amin stava. You know what that makes sense. In isa deika, if there really were three in the youngest group, misnaye. Then tell us. Don't tell us. Everybody is. Per- then don't tell us the oldest is okay. Right? Remember, he says, I don't know if I meant the oldest of the youngest group. Right? According to, if there really were three, she said, I don't know if I meant the middle of the youngest group. Right? The fact that it doesn't talk about a middle one shows we're not talking about it. Okay? So the Gemara says, so the Taimech, one minute, according to that argument, and so Shemakat Rishona, the Vaday Sveka Vasirilei, Miktani, one minute. Let's say there was, there was another one here. Okay? Let's say, right? Let's say there were three here. Okay? And he said, and he said, oldest. All three would be us, sir. Right? right? right. Because they're all from the oldest group. So that the mission doesn't say that. The mission only talks about the oldest and the youngest being us, sir. So it doesn't talk about a middle. So obviously, you know, there, there could be middle girls that are us, sir, that we're not talking about. So, so you could say that in the youngest group as well. So the Gemara says, um, 
Nishtani, it doesn't speak about a middle one in the oldest group. What type of question is that? Here it says, the oldest and the youngest are Usr. So it doesn't have to tell you the middle one is Usr. Right? Remember the mission says, I don't know if I meant the oldest of the oldest group or the youngest of the other group. Right? So if it says, this is Usr and this one is Usr, of course this one is Usr. So it doesn't have to mention it. But here it says, it only mentions that this one is Usr. So implicitly, anybody younger then the oldest one is going to be Mutter. Okay? That would include the, older, the one older than the youngest. If there was a middle one that would be forbidden, Nishnai, teach it. Okay, so basically Abai makes a very good read of the Mishnah that it does not mean anybody who is relatively older than somebody else. It means anybody you can attach the label oldest to. And it's because there are two groups that it's easy, that you can attach it to a broader number of people. One minute, he says. If that's true, when you said right, that we said that that was the same debate, and we were assuming that why is it? Because you have like the seven days of Pesach, right? If you think that each day, here, I'm going to sort of, you know, each day gives its face to you, right? That's the idea of the face. Here you are. You're entering in, and until you hit the face of Pesach. So any one of these can be the face of Pesach, so it's also until the end. That's what we said. But that's the case where that's like one group of a lot of children, right? So so there's only one has the first face, right? So according to Abaye, Abaye says the only reason is because there's two groups, and each one you can sort of attach a label oldest to. But this, only one of them presents its first its first face to you. Why does it apply? Why, why is every day part of the suffix? The first day of Pesach is the oldest. Exactly. And it's not two groups. It's one group. The Chikas Achastami, Pesach, all the days are like in one big group. Upligi. And we say it could mean a middle day. Amalei Hasam. No, no, no. The reason we say it could mean a middle day, and this goes back to say it's not the same debate, is not because any day could be the face of Pesach. That's not the issue. But listen to Amak they're discussing what the word Pnei means. Does the word Pnei mean face or does it mean something else? Marsavar Ad Pnei Pesach Ad Kamei Pischa Pnei means like before, you know, Lifanai, before me, in front of me. So therefore, it's until the Pesach begins. Marsavar Ad Demifni Pischa So in Aramaic, Nifni means to pass. Okay, or lefanot to turn away, or lefanot, right, lefanot, right, right, right. right. That's that's a good point, right. So so it's a pass. So there's the simple question of does it mean until pesach arrives or until pesach passes? So it's really not the debate at all that we were talking about. Okay, good. So we move on. So conceptually, what's at stake is do people talk or remember in a way that uh, that creates ambiguity? Um, But it was very you know nice read of Abaye that it's not that the word might mean older, the word means oldest, but it's but because there are two groups, it allows for us to question a wider range of people to whom it refers to. Okay, now we go on to the next Mishnah, going back to a issue about um, who is believed about whether a marriage took place, and what we're really going to enter into is a very, very central, it's, you know, it's funny that we have to wait till 65 pages into the Masechet to get to a core question of a component of the act of Kiddushin, which is, do you need witnesses present, not just to ver- validate that it took place, but actually to constitute the Kiddushin, that without witnesses the Kiddushin halachically is not binding. Okay, that's not in the mission, it's going to get discussed in the Gemara. Let's take a look. 
Haomer Isha, man says to a woman, Kidashkich, I married you. Viomer Lokidashtani, you did not marry me. Okay, who else bekrovotav? So this gets back to you can't say something and on your say so for make somebody else forbidden. You know, you know, and you sort of you know be believed about it. I mean a father can say it about his children, his underage children, but you cannot say it about another person, you know, oh, I married you and now this person is bound by that. So the woman is not bound by his statement, so she can marry any man and she can even marry like for example like this guy's father or son or brother we, from her perspective we assume she's completely unmarried from his perspective he's bound by it so what does it mean that he's bound by the fact that he married this woman it doesn't prevent him from marrying another woman but it does prevent him from marrying her mother her sister her daughter etc okay so he is bound by his statement she is not he marries Kidashtani she says um, you married me I did not marry you he can marry her relatives um, but she cannot marry his relatives. The funny thing is, not only can she not marry his relatives, she can't marry any other man. She's claiming that she's already married to this guy. Mm-hmm. So, but it means that either she can't marry any other man, or if the guy agrees, and we'll see in the Gemara, we try to encourage him to give her a get, okay, but even though she brought her... This, what? We'll talk about that. Anyway, but she will so, but she'll always remain, or even if the guy dies, for example, she's always going to remain forbidden to his relatives. Okay? But it's funny that it jumps to relatives. The more immediate thing is she can't marry anyone. <laughs> All right. So, all right. I understand. Okay. Kidashkich, uh, he says, Kidashkich, I married you. He omer lo kidash LSBT. No, you didn't marry me, you married my daughter. Okay, so, who else the Krovos Kidola? He cannot marry her relative of the, you know, of the, of the, of the mother, the one he's talking to. The Gdola, now she is Muteris Bekrovav. She says, she, she doesn't say she's married to him, so she can marry his relatives. Okay, who, and who Muteris Bekrovav Kitana? He's married, he can marry the relatives of the younger one. I mean, sometimes there'll be an overlap of relatives, obviously, between mother and daughter, but some won't. Okay, so he can marry the relatives of the younger one, because he, he never said he was married to the younger one. The Kitana Muteris Bekrovav, not only that, the younger one to marry his relatives because the mother's claim that she was married this is in context of before before we learned the father's claim about who, that he married his daughter binds the daughter but the mother's claim that she married off the daughter does not bind the daughter or that the daughter is married does not bind the daughter okay so in this case nobody is us sir okay he's claiming he didn't marry anyone she's claiming you married my daughter so and so the only claim that exists is hers and she's not believed about her daughter what what about rabbinically so even rabbinically the Gemara's going to say that's the Chiddush that the Chiddush is that we don't say that the same way the father can do it biblically the mother can do it rabbinically no the mother is not believed about the marriage status of the daughter yes. what the daughter says well if the daughter's an adult and she says no, it then like, no then it wouldn't like, matter like, no. yeah I know I agree no yeah, nope no status now he says I married your daughter no 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 you married me Okay, so now each one of them is believed based on what they said. Who has the Bekrovitz Ketana? He can't marry the relatives of the, of the daughter. The kita, but, because that's what he said. The Ketana Mutez Bekrovitz, the daughter can marry his relatives because no, no, nobody said anything about, you know, the daughter didn't say anything about herself. Who Mutez Bekrovitz Ketana? He can marry the relatives of the mother because he never said anything about her. The Gdola Bekrovitz but she said that she, that she said she's married to him, so she can't marry his relatives. Okay, so it's all basically one simple principle, which is you're bound by your statement and the other point is that a mother's statement about her daughter is not, does not bind the daughter is not believed in terms of the daughter okay let's see the Gemara yes but, but, the, so, but kind of would be I can't, I can't believe that the Katana would not be believed she's not ever believed to say that she's married to anyone when she's an adult she is so not she, as a minor really 
So yeah. why not? I mean, like... Because the testimony of a minor is not accepted. So we see her in... So she wouldn't be put to death or something like that? Cor- absolutely not. That's even a much higher standard. No, I, but I guess like, the whole point is that we know that like, we can marry off the town. So yeah, because we believe the father. Or the husband, just never the wife. No, we don't believe the husband. That's this case. We don't believe the husband about vis-a-vis the we believe vis-a-vis himself. Don't believe somebody else. So so, no the only thing that establishes the status of a person for other, you know, not for the person to bind themselves, but for objectively, like for the courts and for to be effective for other people, would only be either a father about his underage children or two witnesses. Okay. So nobody can ever say anything about themselves that affects other people, right? I can't make a status about me that, like, say, you know, the only thing I can do is I can, I limit myself by my own statement. Right. But the comic can't even do that because she's a minor. So I mean, these two go- two people, the, this, let's say, Corey and the husband, and, and this wife who's a katana, have been married for ten years, from two to like twelve. They do not believe at all. There's another one. This is right like that. Well, that's a different story. That's like how much you look at the circumstances that they've been living together as husband and wife or whatever, create a type of a chazak and then nansadi. That's a completely different case. You've changed the scenario. It's not just be say so. Okay, we're dealing here just now with say so. All right, let's take a look at the Gemara. Ha'oreliyshakidashkisvitzricha. Um, you need to say both uh, cases about you know about what he says and what she says. The Ashminan Gabedi day that he says something he's only believed vis-a-vis himself, but not to affect her. That you know for him it costs very little to say he's married to a woman, right? Because it's like you know it, it really only restricts him from marrying like the mother or the daughter or whatever. It's not like when a woman says she's married to a man that's huge, right? How now she's basically saying she can't marry any other man. So for him since it costs him very little. Potential ketuba used to pay. It cost him quite a lot potentially. Um, yeah, kiddushin is not nisuin, so it doesn't actually. If it was nisuin, it might be different. It's kiddushin anyway. So it costs like very little. So therefore, we'll say, of course, he says something. We can't bind this other woman, this woman, based on it. You know, people men will just say that. It doesn't cost them anything. Okay. Um, uh, he'll just say it. But she, if she did not really know what she was talking about when she said she was married to this guy, and she would not have said it. Uh, she would not have said it. So meaning, when she says she's married to a guy, she's now saying she's us to marry anybody else in the, in the world, right? That's huge! So we would say if somebody's going to do that to themselves, it must be they're telling the truth and at least Maybe he doesn't have to pay her a ksuba, but the least or but at least he shouldn't be able. We should let him marry her relatives. I mean, at least he should believe what she's saying enough to not let him go ahead and marry this girl's sister or mother. Kamashman, that we don't give it any value, even though we could make a reasonable argument, because that's really powerful. Even if there's a very powerful reason to believe I'm telling the truth, how much is that going to be able to make something forbidden on you? Okay, and that's sort of like we said before, when the guy you know says tries to make say that she's obligated in Yibum when we were presuming she wasn't obligated. Even. So even though, yeah, there's a good reason to think she might be telling the truth, we're not going to make it forbidden on the husband. Okay. So why do you need this case that the mother, when the mother says something about the daughter, so it's true, you need to tell it to me. I would have thought, 
This is what, what you think. Biblically, the father believes the, the, the Torah believes the father about the status of the daughter. Rabbinically, let's believe her about her daughter, the Titsura, and let the daughter be forbidden, at least Barta, the daughter, rabbinically. The Titsura Barta Bidibura, let the daughter be forbidden by her words. Kamash Mulan, no, that she's not believed at all. Now, Kidashkis Biteich, etc. Now, how about this case where, like, he says, I married your daughter, and she says, You married me? Hatu Lamali, why do you need the final case in the Mishnah? I need the Tanaha, Tanaha. Yeah, the last case he didn't need, but we were just showing because we're like a parallel of the second to last case. Okay. Itma. Rav Amar Kofin. Rav says, in the case, well, we'll see in a minute, but I'll tell you. In the case where she says, You married me, and he says, I didn't, Rav says, We force him to give a get. We ask him to give a get. Ahai. Now, in which case are they saying this? where he says I married you and she says no you didn't there's no need to give a get she says you didn't she's totally free to marry anybody she wants right when he says I married and she says no why would we ask for a get so um, the end where she says you married me and now she is bound and she can't marry any other man so I guess why you would say say hey look do a favor. Write her a get. She's now said this thing. She's bound. She can't marry anybody else. Write her a get. Lachai, that makes sense. Elokofin, am I? Why would you force the guy to write a get? Like he's saying, now why not? Like maybe like just out of Rahmanas for this woman. Because if he writes a get, he's going to be acknowledging that he's, he was married to her and now he's divorced her and now he can't marry the relatives. So it actually does, you know, does, does, does limit him. But you would have to pay for all incidentals, right? Presumably. Okay, so the Gemara says, how could you force? Um, I'm a, I'm a it's a bekreva. I don't want to write a get. That'll make it that she's my divorcee and then I won't be able to marry any rel- her relatives. So the Gemara says, yeah, it's not right. El, exactly. You're right. This isn't the debate. They're actually adding on what one another said. Okay, when I once took a uh, improv class, they teach you the first rule of the improv is you don't say no but, you say yes and. Like <laughs> so, like a rule for life. Like if somebody starts a story, you don't try to contradict and start a different story. So, yes and, and then you build on their story. Anyway, so that's what they're saying. And they're not saying no but, they're saying yes and. Amr Shmuel, mentally can get. When she says that she's married to him, Shmuel says, you request the guy, do a favor, write her a get. I'm a Rav, and Rav says, Enosan, get me now, if he gave a get on his own initiative, not because we pushed him to give a get, he just on his own gave a get, then we see that as an admission that he was married to her, and then he's forced to give a ksufa. So, like, <laughs> so if you're a good guy, the basic point is, wait till base, nobody goes that much, wait till the basted says, you know, you should really do the right thing and write a get. And then you could write it, and it'll be clear that it's not an admission. Okay. I'm just doing this because I know you guys fell into this trouble here. Right. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the line is between meatsmo and mevakshin. But don't, but it's really sometimes that's a lesson. Don't be too good of a guy. Okay, it'll get you in trouble. All right. What um, now? Itmanami uh, was also taught. You force and you ask. Tarty? Which one is it? You force it, you ask. So, hachikamar, mevaki mimenulitin get, you ask him to give a get, the inasan meatsmo, but if he gives on his own initiative, then kofinos olitin suva, then it's an admission and you force him to give a suva. Okay. What? Can she formally forego the receiving of suva? Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's true too. I mean, that would be a way about Mavakshin, you know. But, if, um, but the point would be, if he's only responding to a basin's Mavakshin, he doesn't even have to forego it. We don't look at it as an admission. Okay, we only look at it when it's completely on his own initiative and admission. Okay. Now we turn to what might be like one of the biggest important sugyot in contemporary Hilchos Kiddushin, you know, which we had to wait 64 dafim to get to. Okay, which is the need for kosher witnesses to make it a binding Kiddushin. Because a lot of the ways in which Aguna issues are dealt with nowadays is to say, well, there weren't really any kosher witnesses there and so on, etc. So let's take a look. If somebody marries a woman and there is only one witness present, the, the marriage is not binding. Without two witnesses, the marriage is not binding. Now, they asked Rabbi Now, when you say if one witness doesn't mean anything, do you mean what I just said, which is that it's not even if it a hundred percent occurred, it's not binding without the presence of two witnesses? Or do you mean one witness is not enough to prove that it occurred? Well, what would be a test case? Let's say everybody agrees. The man agrees, the woman agrees, one witness says it. So as far as we're concerned, we have no doubt that it took place. But there were not two witnesses present. So is that, is it a question of proving it? Or is it a question about whether it's necessary to make it legally binding? So, and the case is, if they both agree and a witness says it, we assume that it definitely took place. Is it still, bi- is it not binding in that case? So the answer was... Kiddushin again, right? Not Nisun. Kiddushin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiddushin. Just the act of Kiddushin. So, in the low Verafya Biyade. So, he'd say, yes, no, it was weak in his hand, which basically means he would vacillate. He didn't know the answer to that. But he, he didn't know whether the need for two witnesses is to prove that it occurred or to make it occur. To, 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 to make is a constitutive. Okay, so the Gemara says, Ace now. Uh, so now a statement in the name of Shmuel it's not, with one witness it's not good even if they both agree explicit it doesn't matter 100% we knew it occurred if there were not two witnesses it's not binding you could have had the video okay it doesn't matter without two witnesses it's not binding Wait, who are the two ones the husband and the wife Right. Exactly. Now Rav asked Rav Nachman. Now Rav asked Rav Right, exactly. Now let's go to our Mishnah, because our Mishnah was a he said, she said type of a thing, and it seems like you didn't need any witnesses in our Mishnah. If there are witnesses, how is anybody mutter? How is she much in his problem? The witnesses say they're married. And if there are no witnesses, am I why is he bound? There are no witnesses, right? It sounds like you don't need witnesses. It must be there's one witness. And if there's one witness, here becomes an interesting twist on it. If there's one witness and Shnei Modim, then, then we say they're definitely married. If there's one witness and one of them says they're married, then that guy is considered to be married, okay? So you would say it's a combination of the witness and the claims of the people. Oh, yeah, but time out. Don't, we don't have a concept also like Shave But not if you said you did an act that doesn't bind you. Right? If I said I did an act of kiddushin which I didn't mean it, I'm saying I gave my, I gave this woman a ring which was less than a shavar pruta. Would we say, oh, now you're considered married to her? No. So if you say I married this woman and there weren't witnesses present, so you didn't do anything meaningful. Okay. So so based so it must be you don't need witnesses to be present in order for the kiddushin to be binding. You have a witness that supports your statement and you're saying it, and now at least it's also for you. So the okay. Also that you know we're talking about. 
sort of witness in the Kaddish Bito? Yeah, that he would have to claim that there was. Right, so, right, that there was one, that if, either one or two witnesses. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to that. So let's just see the answer, okay? So doesn't it talk, so it must be, you don't need two witnesses, or else it wouldn't be an objective issue, and it must be one witness suffices with somebody's admission, and here one side admits, and that's the combination of a witness and one admission. So the says, no! Hachab demayaski, now what are we talking about? No, what we're talking about is, he says, there were witnesses. It's like he says, I married you, the ring was a Shavaputa. I married you, there were witnesses. They're not here. But I'm still saying that I did it halachically correctly. Just because there were witnesses at the time doesn't mean that they're testifying. So going back to Michael's question, or if you say, no, you didn't marry me. And there were no witnesses? Well, if you didn't marry me, there were no witnesses. Okay, or she could be saying, yeah, you gave me the ring, but there weren't witnesses present. She could be saying anything. Anything that denies that it was a binding act. Right, or whatever, yeah. Now, all, which means all the previous cases of claims, like when the father says, I married off my daughter, right? All those cases is in the presence of witnesses. And all those cases about questions about is he telling the truth or not or whatever has to be that he's claiming there were witnesses and we don't have access to those witnesses or he didn't tell us who those witnesses were. But now you understand the simple sense of all these Mishnayas presume that you don't need witnesses. And we have completely now revolutionized, I mean, we know for halacha that it's central. But the, the, this is like a huge chiddish to read into all these Mishnayot that are discussing who do you believe that's always with a claim that witnesses were present even though they're not being produced right now. Alright, let's take a look. Just get to the bottom of the page. So the Gemara says like this. Eisei, I'll ask you on this. A man divorced his wife and you know, a year later they happened to uh, meet up and were traveling together and they spent the night together in an inn. Okay? So are we afraid that because they already have a previous relationship to build on, that they would have slept together and that would implicitly be Kiddush Now they're remarried. So No, we're not concerned with that. You don't need another get. You need to give another get. Hey, what's the case? If there are witnesses that saw them having sex, what's Beit Shammai's reasoning to not require a get? And if there were no witnesses, why would Beitil say they need a get? It must be there was one witness, and then the question would be like somehow, uh, you know, one witness would be sufficient. So Beit Shammai could say maybe we don't give weight to that one witness, and Beitil says we do, and maybe that's what their debate is about. Anyway, it's a funny half, I mean, because the Gabar is going to say there's a much easier way to explain what they're debating. For the time, the Gemara says, according to you, Amos Sefer, let's look at the end of that. They would agree that if they were never had actually had had sex together, they had, were, had a kiddushin, and then they were divorced, and they never consummated their marriage. In that case, you don't need a second get because they never. You don't assume that just because they were in the same inn together that they slept together. So clearly, if that's the issue, you see what the question is not whether there were enough witnesses, not enough witnesses. The question is, what do we presume happened in the inn? So if they were never had, you know, had, had, you know, had sex in the, in the past, we don't presume that they've had sex now. But if they have had sex in the past and they were married before in the past, that's where Beit Hill and Beit Shammai disagree. What do we assume happened right now? So it's a question about what do we guess ha- might have happened and not whether Kiddushin needs witnesses or doesn't need witnesses. Okay, and so let's just finish this.
Shein libo gaspa that he's not too comfortable with her in that case, you know, won't take it so. The isal kadaitich eid echad mehemin, and if it's really your one witness is testifying, malimin erisim malimin nisun. If witnesses saw what happened, <laughs> then it doesn't matter what the previous history is between the two of them. Ella, here's what's going on. This is clear that this was always the case. Okay, pachad of my askinat kigon the ika eid a yichud. Witnesses saw them go into the inn together. So like eid b and nobody saw whether they had sex. Bechamai Savri, Lo Amrina, and Hein Hein Edi Yichud, Hein Hein Edi Bia. Bechamai says, We don't presume that just because they were in seclusion, we should presume that that's considered like there's testimony that they had sex, and that makes them considered now married. Meaning, now you can read that two ways. Maybe we do presume they had sex, but it doesn't, it's not halakhically defined as testimony that they had sex. Right? It's not considered direct evidence that they had sex. So therefore, they're not married. Bechamai Savri, and Bechamai says, No, Amrina, and Hein Hein Edi Yichud, if they've already been married before and have had sex before, we're going to say, and witnesses saw them into go into seclusion, then that's like the witnesses saw them have sex, and therefore that constitutes a new act of kiddushin. One minute, but if they had never had sex before, then they agree, the law we do not say that seeing them go into seclusion is like testifying to sex, because then they did not have that past history, and we can not presume that. So basically, this has nothing to do, we could totally assume that Kiddushin requires witnesses, and the question now becomes a separate question. What do the witnesses have to see? So the debate of Beitil and Shammai is, is it like the witnesses saw them having sex or not? How much can we presume happened, and how much can we translate that into what we say it's as if the witnesses saw? Okay, so we'll continue though tomorrow in this central question about whether Kiddushin requires witnesses to actually make it a binding kiddushin. And if it does, then the question sometimes is, as we've seen, what constitutes that they've actually seen the act or not? Um, and that's what's going on here with Beit Hill and Beit